0: You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani. Alongside Eric Dalala, we have a great show in store for you. We have rookie linebacker Josie Jewell joining us, talking about how he got some extra playing time, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter against the Raiders playing some pivotal reps. And then we'll also be joined by Garrett Downing of BaltimoreRavens.com. He'll have some insight onto this Sunday's matchup against the Ravens, the Broncos' first road contest of the year. So be sure to stick around for those conversations. But first, Eric, uh, let's dive into last week's game against the Raiders.
0: Yeah, it's always nice, Phil, to start a neutral zone off after a win. Broncos are 2-0. and Things weren't perfect again on Sunday And I think that's encouraging in some ways because a lot of teams this week are kind of recovering from a loss either in week one or week two. There's only seven teams with a 2-0 record. But the Broncos are one of them despite not being perfect, um, both in the secondary and, uh, as you kind of noticed, at the receiving core level.
1: It's the sixth consecutive season the Broncos have started 2-0. They seem to always start with a nice, strong uh, September to get the season going, which is encouraging. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some of the things that we think that they might be working on this week. Uh, starting with that comeback, they look good in the second half. They got the ball going, but you don't really want to be in that position where you're down 12 nothing right off the bat.
0: Yeah, and I don't really think the comeback was necessarily, I mean, great comeback, obviously, but... I don't think the first half is as bad as people are making it out to be, in part because the Broncos didn't really have the ball out that much. In part, that's because they went three and out several times in a row, which you don't want to see. But the Raiders were really committed to the run, really committed to the short passing game. They held the ball for over 20 minutes, I believe, in that first half. And so that just doesn't give the Broncos a lot of chances. And I think it takes a a certain team that knows, like the Raiders, that, from a talent perspective, they need to kind of play that type of game to stay in the game. They wanted to limit the Broncos' chances that they did that, but I don't think that's something that's going to happen on a week to week basis.
1: Yeah, and one positive twist on it is hey, these things weren't working in the first half, but the Broncos have enough talent to be able to readjust what they're trying to do, mix it up a little bit, and go back in the second half and then make those adjustments and have it uh, be fruitful out on the field. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too concerned about this offense. The one thing I did want to touch on is Demarius Thomas. A couple of drops there, uh, especially in that last drive, had a, had one along the sideline. Look, we know that Demarius Thomas is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He can catch the football. So, Eric, what do you think? Is it just something that's mental there?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's uh mental or what. I'm not, again, like I wasn't concerned about the offense in the first half. I don't think that's a huge issue because we know what DT can do. And uh, at times during his career, he has struggled dropping passes, but it's never been something that's been consistent over the course of game after game after game. And I can tell you, Phil, from from knowing DT in this building, we can talk about this, fans can talk about this, other media members, no one's taking this more seriously than DT is. And I, I strongly believe he'll get that fixed. And he, I mean, Emmanuel played a great second half there. But there's something about DT, I mean, mic'd up on our website this week, you saw the speech that DT gave Uh, the offense. He means so much to this team. And so I have no doubt he's going to get things right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, fans are quick to jump on him a little bit there. But just one week earlier, he made one of the catches of the game where he's diving along the sideline and catches a bullet from Case Keenum. And so, you know, I don't think uh, there's anything to be worried about. And I know that DT is going to be working hard, making sure that he makes every catch it could just be something he said after that first game. He had a couple of drops to start that game against Seattle. He said he was just too excited. So I think we'll really see DT hone in. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had maybe one of his best games this Sunday.
0: Yeah, and we uh, we have a small sample size right now with two games, right? But it's easy to overreact, but it's a long season. We've seen the Broncos start 4-0, and 3-1 the last couple of years, and obviously ended without playoff berth. So we've got a long way to go, a lot of time to, for DT to figure this out. But to the fans that are kind of questioning him, I would just say relax a little bit. DT is probably at least a top two, top three receiver in the history of this franchise, has done so much for this team, and for some reason kind of always seems to get the blame piled on him. If you're one of those people, Broncos country, you kind of got to reevaluate a little bit. He's one of the best players who's ever played for this team.
1: And I think that you notice when the ball goes his way, but when it goes somewhere else, defenses could be keying on Demarius Thomas, and that's opening up things for Emmanuel Sanders. So DT still a vital part of this offense. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was some of the things we saw in the secondary. We heard head coach Vance Joseph talk about how they need to play more press man coverage trust that the pass rush is going to get to the quarterback but we saw Eric or Derek Carr only three incompletions in the entire game I'm not sure if I've ever seen a game like that
0: yeah I think it was the best completion percentage if I'm remembering this statistic correctly the best completion percentage in a loss in NFL history so you know he's doing something right but part of that was he was he was checking down a lot throwing short passes didn't really take a lot of those deep shots. Um, the Broncos cornerbacks, I think, were making sure that they weren't beat on some of those deep passes the way they were a week ago. Vance Joseph said, hey, we've got to be more aggressive, especially early. The corners have to trust that if they play a, a deep ball or a deep in or a post or whatever you want whatever they want to run, that the pass rush in Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Derek Wolfe and all those guys, they're going to get there first. And so I think if the, if the secondary can do that, Um, You'll probably close in a little bit, but something good, Phil... A week ago against Seattle, we saw another one of those mental breakdowns, kind of, where Tyler Lockett got free for that long touchdown. That didn't happen this week, and it really couldn't for the Broncos to win, given the situation they were in.
1: I was going to say, you point to maybe like Amari Cooper's big game that they had, but the Broncos really chose what they wanted to take away. Jared Cook didn't really do too much damage. He had a great first game against a really good Rams defense last Sunday against the Broncos, didn't quite do as much, and the Broncos, for the most part, didn't did a great job against Marshawn Lynch so um, I think that you saw the Broncos take away some of the things that they wanted to take away but Amari Cooper was the one thing that they let get loose a little bit I will say Eric you said you mentioned no big mental errors There does seem to be a little bit of communication issues going on, maybe between Chris Harris Jr. and Justin Simmons. Simmons a little bit late to get over on the touchdown there. What do you think about some of those issues there in the secondary?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're still working and it's kind of just, it's always a work in progress at this point in the year. Um, Chris and Justin have been here obviously for several years now, but you've got new corners in Tremaine Brock and Adam Jones. And I just wonder how much that kind of goes into it. I would say that, They only let up seven points in the second half, and after and really twelve in the first half. That's not bad either. If this team can hold every team to nineteen points a game, they're going to win a lot of football games. And so we can kind of nitpick here and say Amari Cooper had 116 yards, or Jared Cook got free for a 20-yard catch, or whatever you want to say. But they played well overall, and you know Marshawn Lynch. It seemed like he was beating this team down for a while, but you look up and he had 65 yards of the whole game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is being really nitpicky. And I think that you can do that after a, a win. You'll be like, all right, that will, we played pretty well over the most part, but let's look back some areas we can fix. I think you can do that after a win. I will say it'll be very interesting to see moving forward if Chris Harris Jr. stays in the slot or if he wants to go and just like we heard him say before the season started, he wants to guard the number one wide receiver every single game. It'll be interesting to see if the Broncos make some adjustments, let Chris do that.
0: Right, and Vance Joseph was asked about that Monday, and he kind of said, hey, we're comfortable with the way things are. I like where the secondary is. We just need to play a little more aggressively. But he was like, there are times when Chris Harris does do that because Bradley Roby can play in the slot at nickel. We saw in the preseason Justin Simmons did that. So I think that opportunity is there if they need it. And uh, maybe this week they decided it was a better matchup. Um, I did think one thing that was interesting, Phil, is – Vance Joseph said sometimes you can over-game plan for these things. You think about what Amari Cooper can do and what Marshawn Lynch can do and what Jared Cook can do, and you over-prepare a little bit, and maybe that's what happened in the first half on defense and on offense. Um, They figured it out, and I think that's important because, as we'll talk about in a second here, that didn't necessarily happen a ton last year where they were able to correct from the first half to the second half. They did that, and now – We'll see, can they make the corrections on the road as well?
1: Yeah, exactly. Going into a very hostile Baltimore uh, atmosphere there on the East Coast. And uh, yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, over game planning and that type of thing, I thought that they made the necessary adjustments to get the win. And look, the Raiders have a dynamic offense. They got a lot of weapons. John Gruden is an offensive-minded head coach. So I did think that uh, the Broncos adjusted nicely. And uh, they're 2-0, and we're sitting here uh, looking to see if they can make it 3-0 and against Baltimore
0: yeah and you know I think last year Broncos one and seven on the road only win came in that Thursday night game at Indianapolis if there's something that gives me confidence that it can change this year it's one how the offense has responded on those final those fourth quarter drives this week a true game winning drive, but also had to come from behind victory in week one. And then the way that the defense has really tightened up in the second half, the adjustments the coaching staff has made, those are things to me that will travel. You know, your your fan base obviously can't travel. And so maybe the false start penalties or the offsides or whatever, the things that happen to road teams, maybe that happens to you a little bit. But I think the the maturity of this team, the way that they've been able to handle pressure, and that comes in part from Case Keenum, it comes from Vance Joseph in year two. Those things give me confidence that the one in seven road record isn't going to happen again.
1: Yeah, time. I will say the one thing is that they shouldn't maybe necessarily try to fall behind early. Uh, you know, it's a it's a little bit more difficult to bounce back uh, when you're down twelve nothing at halftime on the road um, where you don't have that fan support. But like you mentioned, the leadership on this team. I think that nobody panics when they face adversity nowadays. So you see Case rallying the guys, DT rallying the guys, and there's just a little bit more confidence with this year's team knowing that, hey, we're just down a couple of scores here. We can go back and get that, no problem. There's no panic ever.
0: Right, and maybe one thing before we get to some of our guests here. People have kind of been, hey, is Case the quarterback we thought he was going to be, had a a 61.8 rating this week. What I look at is that there were several throws Sunday that the Broncos weren't able to make the last couple of years. That uh, pass to the end zone to Cortland Sutton, another one to Tim Patrick. They were both ruled incompletions, but those were big time passes. He found Emmanuel on a second and twenty, big time throw. You know he had the the awareness to not try to go for the shot for Emmanuel on that last pass, and instead find Tim Patrick in the flat to get them enough yards. Those are decisions that I think are probably underrated right now, and are the and I think that without Case Keenum making those decisions, you're probably. You could be 0-2 right now instead of 2-0.
1: and 0. Yeah, and you never want to look too much into a box score and be like, oh, this was his completion percentage. Oh, this was his rating. You saw Case making plays. I mean, he was out there moving around. Running the read option. Exactly. He ran the ball a few times. We heard Emmanuel Sanders say, hey, we played high school football in Texas. That means we're football players, not just a quarterback and a wide receiver. So. You saw Case Keenan make football plays. He made a gutsy call on the fourth and one, ran it in himself. I thought that Case was tremendous. Um, I don't really care what a rating says. So, Woo! yeah, uh, Case is our. that's my quarterback, man. That's my quarterback. I'm glad you're not going to
0: cry like T.O.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get to our first conversation. That's uh, Josie Joel, the rookie. Linebacker out of Iowa played a lot of reps down the stretch, meaningful reps when that Broncos defense really needed to get a stop. So here's our conversation with Josie Jewell. Here with Josie Jewell inside the Broncos locker room, coming off a big win against the Raiders, you played a lot of snaps down the stretch there. How'd that feel for you?
2: Felt pretty good, to, you know, to get in there uh, to play some defensive snaps. Definitely during that time of the game, you know, where it's kind of on the line. I uh, needed to get a good stop. Um, but, you know, was happy as coach put me in there. Hopefully get more opportunities like that, uh, and that will definitely be awesome. Did, was that a big moment for you? I mean, like the game was on the line, the crowd was loud. I mean, how did it feel out there? Yeah, it felt great. Uh, just, just any time to get on the field feels amazing. Um, just, you know, you just got to realize what's your job, your responsibility. Can't really look at the fans too much or, you know, be listening to any of that stuff. Uh, just really staying uh, very um, – into the details, you know, you gotta be very focused during that time and especially end of the game, you know, everything counts, every every yard counts, every second counts, so, um, you know, the guys out there helped me out a lot and it, it was a fun to get out there. Did you feel like something changed for you that
1: you started to get those defensive wraps uh, last week?
2: I'm not sure. You know, I think uh, I've, I've been getting able to understand the defense more. The older guys have been helping me out a lot. And coach has been doing a great job uh, teaching it. Um, but, you know, I think coach is just trying to keep guys fresh, um, keep us all at 100 um, percent. You know, everybody at 100 percent is probably probably better than one guy at 60 or one guy, at, you know, 50. So just trying to keep fresh bodies out there and, and get a good rotation.
1: Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment or anything out there?
2: Uh, shoot! I don't know. I mean, I'm, nah, I, don't, I don't know if it was a welcome to the NFL moment. Uh, you know, you just, there's big guys out there. They're fast. Um, it's a little different than college. Uh, so you got to get used to it fast. and You got to understand what can happen um, and just really know your assignment every play. And if you know your assignment, it makes things a lot easier than, you know, guessing what you have to do and stuff like that. you hit beast mode at all? Yeah, I got him. I got him a couple of times. Uh, not a, not, no solo tackles for him. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a great running back.
1: Uh, do, was that sort of like an amazement like a moment though where you see him on the other side of the line of scrimmage?
2: Yeah, that was cool because you know, you, you saw him when I was young. I saw him when I was younger uh, and beast mode was definitely out for sure then. Um, so being able to go against him and, and a great competition in the Raiders was was fun. Um, you know, just every week you got to keep on pushing forward and trying to be the best of you as you could possibly be.
1: Uh, how's this defense feeling this week uh, going on the road for the first time now uh, traveling to Baltimore?
2: Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's 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 not a home game this week, so we got to stay focused. Um, just got to be able to do the small details um, and just do the things we've been doing week to week here um, and just staying focused on your job um, and really, you know, what can help the defense at the most. So, you know, just staying focused is the
1: biggest thing. Another moment maybe this week where you say, hey, that's Joe Flacco on the other side?
2: Maybe, maybe. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens.
1: All right, Josie, appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Our thanks to Josie Jewel for joining us here on the Neutral Zone, and Eric, now it's time for our first game.
0: Yeah, Phil, everyone's uh, favorite part of the show where we get to do a little rhyming about this week's Broncos game. Got another fan calling in. Who do we have on the line this week?
3: Tara from Arizona.
0: Hi, Tara. How's it going?
3: Doing great. Thank you.
0: How, uh, how are you a Broncos fan down in Arizona there?
3: How am I? Uh, well, I've been a Broncos fan since before the Cardinals arrived in Arizona, so lot of years
0: there. Wow, and how'd you, how'd you choose Denver?
3: Well, uh, whatever was closest was broadcast, so it was going to be the Broncos or the Cowboys, so, you know, it was the Broncos.
0: All right, well, we like, we like that choice. Um, we're going to play a game here that we call our Limerick Challenge. I'm going to read you three limericks that are related to the Broncos or their opponent this week, the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, if you can fill in the last word or phrase for each of them, we're going to be uh, a winner here so why don't we go ahead and get started
4: okay
0: all right Tara here's your first limerick at times their plays have been bizarre as neither quarterback has been the star sometimes they play Joe but that's not all they show they've also got packages for Uh. so this is uh in reference to to the Ravens' quarterback battle that they've got going on there, kind of a, a two-quarterback system at times. Any idea who uh, the other guy is?
3: Uh,
0: Flacco. Yeah, so Joe Flacco. Uh, the answer for that one is packages for Lamar, uh, referencing Lamar Lamar Jackson, their first-round pick this year. That's okay. Let's uh, Let's see if we can get this second one still a chance to be a winner here. Okay. Last year, the offense often slowed. In a different zip, they couldn't crack the code. In Buffalo and Kansas City, things weren't always pretty, but this week marks a new start. On the road. There you go. Exactly, exactly. All right, we got a a comeback cook in here. Let's see if we can knock it off. This one's a little tricky, not exactly football related. Let's see if you can, uh, can get it. Here we go. Okay. What about the Ravens do you know? Want a fact that makes you go, whoa? Their mascot preference comes from a literary reference. It's a nod to uh,
3: Edgar Allan
4: Poe.
0: There we go. You got it. That was a little bit tricky. There went outside the uh, the football uh, kind of realm, but well done. Um, a comeback win. Very impressed. thanks for uh thanks for joining us. You're a winner here, Tara. Oh, thank you. And now we're going to go to part one of my conversation with BaltimoreRavens.com writer Garrett Downing fills us in a little bit on what's going on out there in Baltimore and what we can expect this weekend when the Broncos head to M&T Bank Stadium. Garrett, thanks for joining us here.
3: Hey, how's it going? Yeah, definitely excited about you guys uh, making the trip out to Baltimore. I think it's uh, obviously a big game for both teams, and um, you know both teams have a lot at stake and I think it should be a fun day on Sunday.
0: Garrett, for those Broncos fans who didn't get a chance to check out Thursday night football last week between the Ravens and Bengals, could you just kind of give a quick summary there of what happened and how the game kind of unfolded? I know the Ravens made a late push there in the second half.
3: Yeah, well, really, honestly, it was a night to forget for the Ravens. They fell behind 21-0. Um, their starting linebacker, C.J. Mosley, went out early in the game um, with a bone bruise on his knee, and the defense kind of struggled to adjust to that in the early going. And A.J. Green, all of a sudden you look up, and he has three touchdowns in the first half for the Bengals. They The defense tightened up in the second half, and the offense kind of came alive, and the Ravens made it close to the second half. But um, that 21-up, the deficit is tough to overcome. And so, you know, really it, it was a night where uh, the Bengals had their number. Um, the, the Ravens have had a lot of success. uh over the you know over their history, but the Bengals have been a team that have really given them some fits, and that was the case again, you know, on on Thursday night. So, you know, you compare that to Week One where the Ravens went out and they beat the Buffalo Bills forty-seven to three. Just looked like almost two different teams. And I think the biggest thing is the Ravens need to be a team that, that starts faster than they did against the Bengals on Thursday, and they also need to be a team, um, you know, that that protects the football. And they didn't do that to the extent that they needed to. Joe Flacco had an early interception that led to a touchdown, uh, also had another interception and a fumble. So, you know the old saying that when you, when you fumble the ball and you give the ball away, it's going to be tough to win games. Uh, that was the case for the Ravens on Thursday.
0: Yeah, I think Broncos fans from Sunday know as well that those divisional games uh, are kind of always hard to predict, and Broncos also fell behind. So it'll be interesting to see this weekend which team is able to start fast. Um, you mentioned C.J. Mosley went out with a bone bruise. What's it looking like? Obviously, it's Tuesday now. We got a few days before the game, but what's it looking like for him playing Sunday? And then some guys like Hayden Hurst, Ronnie Stanley at offensive tackle. Um, right. Do you expect those guys to be available this weekend? You
3: no, know, Stanley seems like he'll be fine. Uh, he told reporters after the game that he would be fine, and uh, John Harbaugh said yesterday that you know we'll stick with that. Um, so you know, I would expect you know Ronnie to be out there on Sunday. In terms of Hayden Hurst, I would not expect him to play. The rookie first-round pick has not practiced uh, since the regular season started. He had a stress-fat fracture in his foot. Um, and he's, you know, John Harbaugh said he's not going to practice this week, which means he won't play in the game. And so, you know, that's that's a difficult blow for the Ravens. Um, they've had fellow rookie Mark Andrews just kind of step up in his absence. He scored a touchdown last week. Uh, he actually, you know, was uh, – won the award in college football for best tight end in the game. So uh, he played in that prolific Oklahoma offense at Baker Mayfield throwing in the ball throughout college. So he's a pretty good player himself. So he's basically taken on that pass catching role. So Tate Hurst went out to start the season. And then you have C.J. Mosley, and that's, that's the mystery. Um, really no timetable has been given on that front. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that John Harbaugh and the Ravens wanted that way to, to not give too much away in terms of how long he will be out. Um, the Ravens did go out and sign a veteran linebacker, Albert McClellan, who's been with who had previously been with the team. Um, so they have kind of a safety net there if CJ were to be unable to play. Uh, but you know, I think this week in practice will really give us a better indication as to whether CJ Mosley is going to be able to play. Um, with that injury so that's that's the big mystery for the Ravens this week
0: Garrett I know there's some Broncos fans between the the playoff meeting out here in 2012 and some recent regular season matchups that the teams have played that they view Baltimore as almost a a rival of sorts Um, they've had close competitive games for the most part how do Ravens fans how does the organization out there view uh, this series with Denver that's kind of being renewed this year
3: well you know, it's a good question. I don't necessarily know if fans see it as a rivalry. Um, you know, the Ravens, obviously, there's Ravens-Steelers, which is certainly number one. Um, and then the Ravens really kind of you the Patriots sort of as that
4: postseason rival
3: that they've had so many big games against. You know, I think, honestly, when Ravens fans think of the Broncos, they think of um, that 2012 playoff game and the Jacoby-Jones. And, you know, out here, everyone calls it the mile-high miracle. I think there's probably some different uh, – some different adjectives that Broncos fans have for that game. Uh, so I think honestly they just look at it sort of as, as kind of a iconic moment in team history. Um, and you know, and then and then you know after that, I think the Ravens have a lot of respect for Gary Kubiak, who obviously went there. And you know, honestly, I think the Ravens fans were kind of rooting for Gary Kubiak after he went out there and, and won a Super Bowl uh, that season. Um, You know, with Dayton Manning, you know, Gary Kubiak was somebody who who was very well respected here and uh, in his one season here. And so I think that fans were happy to see him have success um, in the time that he did as as the head coach of the Broncos. So um, I I think it's less rivalry and more respect um, and then also kind of happy memories, particularly when the Ravens are going out to uh, play at mile high.
0: Right, yeah, I think you're definitely right there that Broncos fans probably have a little bit different perspective on that 2012 matchup. Um, another guy on the Broncos who has a lot of history with the Ravens, Domata Pecco, senior, obviously played 11 years out in Cincinnati. He talked about the Ravens this week and described uh, playing in the AFC North as, as a tough contest, always going to be physical, run the ball. But We've also seen uh, Joe Flacco throw the ball quite a bit in these first two games. Do you think the Ravens still have that identity as a run-first team?
3: No, actually, I don't. Um, I think that, you know, that's something that they've kind of moved away from. And I think this year, you look at their first two games, they've been far more pass heavy than they were run heavy. Um, I do think they need to get the run game going better than they have the past couple of weeks. It just hasn't been. Uh, it hasn't been all that productive. And I, I think that is going to be a focus moving forward is, is finding the balance there and getting that run game kind of cranked up. Uh, but I, I think they're, just like most of the NFL, uh, there's very few teams that are run first anymore. And I, I think the Ravens are a team with a veteran quarterback that they want to be able to throw the ball. And that's what they did. You know, the first week of the season was a driving rainstorm against the Buffalo Bills here in Baltimore. And they came out and they threw a ball a ton and they had a lot of success through the air. The Ravens also went this offseason and completely remade their receiving core. They added Michael Crabtree. Uh, they signed John Brown. They signed Willie Sneed and so they've got three new free agents acquisitions at receiver who they really like and they want to get them the ball. So I think this is really more of a pass oriented team. I think they want to be balanced uh, but I don't think it's they I don't think they're a team that uses the run to set up the pass. I think that they are going to be more pass heavy uh, than a run dominant team. <laughs>
0: A little C.J. Mosley update there from Garrett Downing of BaltimoreRavens.com. We'll hear more from him in just a minute. But first, Phil, you want to take a second and play another game?
1: Yeah, Eric, it's time to play uh, Who Said It? And uh, we have another caller on the line. Uh, Who's joining us now? It's
4: uh, Zach Reeves from uh, Des Moines, Iowa.
1: Uh, Des Moines, Iowa. How'd you uh, become a Broncos fan all the way out there?
4: Well, there's uh, no pro teams out here in Iowa, and so when we're not rooting for the Hawkeyes, we get to pick our own pro teams. So I was watching uh, Jake Plummer and Brian Greasy back in the day.
1: Nice. Uh, so a uh, big fan of Josie Jewell then, huh?
4: Yeah, huge fan of Josie Jewell. Go Hawkeyes.
1: Nice, nice. So what would you think of the game last week while we have you here? Uh, two come-from-behind wins, huh?
4: Yeah, that first half was a little rough, but uh, I'm glad in the second half we got to put things together when it counted and really turn out a win.
1: Yeah, Broncos 2-0. and So, uh, all right, Zach, well, you ready to play Who Said It? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so I'll read you three quotes. If you guess who said it two out of the three times, we'll send you a Broncos prize package.
4: That sounds great.
1: Awesome. Okay, here's our first one. We played way too cautious. Our defense is based on rushing five and playing press man coverage. And in the first half, we didn't do that. It showed. We were really non-aggressive, and they took advantage of us.
4: That's head coach Vance Joseph.
1: Yeah, he's talking about, uh, of course, in the first half against the Raiders, Derek Carr only one completion. It was crazy. Uh, what do you think about that first half? You said it. Hey, it was a little bit rocky, huh?
4: Yeah, it's uh, tough to beat a quarterback when they're having a career game like that. That's amazing.
1: Got the ball out so fast. Um, okay, let's get to quote number two here. We've just got to tackle him. There was one play I was trying to tackle Marshawn for about seven yards. He really is beast mode.
4: That's got to be Super Bowl 50 MVP Von Miller.
1: Yeah, you're keeping track of your Broncos news, I can tell. (laughs) I'm a
4: huge fan of everything Broncos, trust me.
1: Yeah, uh, Von Miller uh, joking around saying that he was trying to tackle Marshawn for seven yards. Von Miller, so many people just pay attention to his sack numbers, but he's really great against the run as well. So, All right, well, you're already a winner here on Who Said It, but uh, let's try to make it three out of three. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, this one's a little bit longer, so here we go. The whole first half, I had zero targets. I walked up to Coach Joseph, not mad like I used to be. I have to stay calm within myself, stay humble within myself. And I just told Coach, I haven't had a target the whole first half. And he told me he was going to give me the ball, and he gave me the ball. That's
4: got to be Emmanuel Sanders.
1: Yes, that's Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, No targets in the first half, but he played a big role down the stretch, especially on that last drive. Got the first down when it was uh, a long 20-yarder there after the penalty. So, Zach, you are a winner here on the neutral zone.
4: (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was a a great time, and I, I love all the multimedia coming out of the Broncos country.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, so you'll get to hear yourself on the neutral zone. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. And, uh, Eric, uh, time to get to uh, part two of your conversation.
0: Yeah, Phil, I think uh, as we look ahead to Baltimore, no one better to give us a preview than someone inside the organization. Garrett Downing does just that coming up right now. You mentioned those three new free agent receivers and uh, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree, and John Brown. How have you seen them uh, kind of fit into this offense? I know I think Flacco threw a touchdown to each of them in week one, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, you're right. I think the one that's really been the best so far is John Brown. He's got a touchdown in both games. He's he's a big play threat, but he's also got good hands. Uh, he's He can run every route. He seems to have instant chemistry with Joe Flacco. So I think that John Brown is really the guy. Uh, is, I think he's probably going to lead the team in receiving this year. And then Michael Crabtree just catches everything thrown in his direction. He's really good at the red zone. He got a touchdown in the red zone. I think that's where he's going to make his mark. Um, and then Willie Steves the guy that, you know, if it's third and sixth, you need somebody to get open over the middle of the field. That's where he's most dangerous. So what I think is good about them is they all three provide something a little bit different. Um, and that makes it a little bit challenging. It's not like there's one guy that I think Broncos coaches are spending all week trying to figure out how to stop. I think it's the compliment of all three of them that makes them a little bit challenging. Um, what the Ravens had last year, and I think that um, they've helped this
0: offense in a big way. The guy throwing him the ball, Joe Flacco, is uh, obviously the the first quarterback for you guys, but have mixed in Lamar Jackson a little bit on certain plays. What element does he add to this offense? Can he add to this offense? And how do you think that is maybe uh, kind of messing with the Broncos' coaches' minds a little bit this week as they try to figure out how uh, how John Harbaugh and the Ravens could use him?
3: Yeah, you know, I think that it, it, it's an added that you need a game plan for, and he truly is somebody that's an interesting weapon. Uh, now, the plays that they've used him, they haven't been all that fruitful so far, but the one thing I've seen with Lamar Jackson through the preseason and these first couple games is that all it takes is one play, and all of a sudden you can have a run that he rips off for 65 yards and a touchdown. Um, so You're going to have some plays that aren't that successful, but then there's going to be that one that can absolutely change the game. They've used it in some, different, in some interesting ways, They've actually there's actually been times when the Ravens have split Joe Flacco out wide uh, versus Lamar Jackson, and then Lamar Jackson's been the one under center and kind of run that read option. So there's lots of different ways to use him. Uh, you know, they, they swing him around. It's, I think there's kind of a misnomer that when you talk about getting Lamar Jackson on the field that, oh, well, he's going to be a wide receiver. Well, they may line him up in the slot, but then he comes around and, um, you get in the ball sort of on a reverse, then he has the, re- the threat to run or throw the ball. They're not using him as a receiver, and he's going out and just running route. That's not the way that they're using him. They're finding creative ways to get him the football because um, he's a quarterback, and you know that's that's their focus. Um, and But they, he's also too good of a player to keep on the bench all year, and so they want to find ways to get the ball in his hands, and they've been able to do that through the first couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's uh, causing a few headaches this week here at UC Health Training Center um Garrett last one here before we let you go what do you think are the keys to this week's game
3: well I'm sure whenever anybody plays you guys it's sort of first and foremost what you do to stop on Miller he's a game wrecker four sacks through two games uh Ravens offensive line struggled a bit last week against Cincinnati so you got to figure out the Ravens do how to stop him or at least minimize what he can do um so that is at the top of the list I think and then you know, basically protect the football and, and start faster than they did last week. You're not going to win many games spotting a team 21 points like the Ravens did against Cincinnati. Uh, so you need to start quicker, and you also aren't going to win many games when you get the ball up three times. So I think that those are sort of the the, the main issues uh, that the Ravens have to kind of clean up this week. Um, but you know, look, this is the Broncos are a team, obviously that's two and zero. And uh, it's probably going to be tough, you know, going on the road. There's going to be some excitement this game. Uh, Ray Lewis is getting his Hall of Fame ring at halftime. He's going to be in the half whenever he's around. I feel like the energy kind of picks up a couple of notches. And, uh, you know, that'll be something that the Broncos have to deal with. So, you know, this is the game that the Ravens, you know, they certainly feel like they, they have a chance to win. And I think it's going to be a really competitive game.
0: Yeah, but I think that uh, just to add to, to that, Garrett, I think, Both teams obviously have division title hopes, but if they end up in that wild card positioning, uh, kind of jockeying for a playoff spot, I think this is a game we could look back on in a few months and say, hey, the team that won this one really took a step ahead. So um, I'll certainly be watching closely.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. It's early, you know, but you can already start to see maybe some of those wild card races coming uh, to fruition a little bit.
0: Well, thanks for your time, Garrett. Uh, We'll see you Sunday, and uh, good luck to you guys.
3: All right, Eric, thanks.
0: Good to talk with you. That was part two of my conversation with Garrett Downing of BaltimoreRavens.com. Got his perspective there on what to to expect this week when the Broncos travel to the Ravens uh, for a week three matchup. But, Phil, uh, what are you looking at?
1: Well, first of all, I'm looking to get some crab cakes uh, Saturday (laughs) night, so... Uh, that will be my primary focus on Saturday. But I think you mean Sunday uh, in the I game. I do. I uh, do. Interesting to see what happens with CJ Mosley. If uh, he was carted off the field, maybe a concern about some lim- ligament damage, but it turns out it's just a bone bruise for CJ Mosley. So I'm sure Ravens fans are happy about that. But if he can't go, that's like the defense lost its quarterback almost. So um, C.J. Mosley in the center of the field, almost to that playing that Ray Lewis type of role. So that'll be a huge loss, and you'll see if the Broncos can take advantage of that if he can't go.
0: Yeah, and Mosley was talked about before this season as a potential defensive player of the year candidate. So it's not a stretch to say he's like their Von Miller, certainly like a Chris Harris Jr., and you can imagine what the Broncos' defense looks like without those guys, knock on wood. Um I mean, I think we we saw that the Broncos have been healthy; they've been lucky there. Um, but what could what could happen without T.J. Mosley? I think it opens things up for the offense, uh, certainly. But when the Ravens deep or when the Ravens' uh, offense is on the field, the Broncos really have to be on their toes because of what Lamar Jackson could bring to this offense.
1: Yeah, I think that it's that'll be interesting because we know Lamar Jackson can take off and run with the football, and is a dynamic athlete. We also know he could throw the football too. Um, I think that that'll just force the Broncos' defense to pay a little more extra time and attention in the film room this week, having to study, okay, what if we see this formation? What if we see Lamar Jackson line up here? What if he lines up at quarterback? What are you going to do? The Ravens have been throwing the ball a lot when maybe coming into the season, we thought of this team as a strong defensive team and that they're going to pound it out. Um, You know, Joe Flacco hasn't lived up to his his Typical standard of play the past couple of years, but uh, it looks like they've really come out throwing the football, and they were they've been a dynamic offense through two weeks.
0: Yeah, and certainly in that week one game against Buffalo, uh, things in the first half against Cincinnati were a little bit different. They kind of got back after it in the second half. I will say that they have used Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco at the same time, uh, sometimes with Joe Flacco uh, at quarterback and Lamar Jackson there next to him. I think they had another play where Lamar Jackson was at quarterback and Joe Flacco was lined up out of receiver. Those are the types of thing that, like you mentioned, if they don't take the time in the film room this week, that could be a big play that swings the game. So we talked earlier about over game over game planning, this might be one of those weeks where you do take the extra few minutes to make sure you really understand, hey, if Lamar Jackson's under center and Joe Flacco's next to him or Joe Flacco's out wide, what do you do in that situation so that you're not surprised?
1: The other thing that I think that is interesting about this game is the Ravens aren't in the Broncos division, but I think that most Broncos fans, and I know I certainly do, view the Ravens almost like a rival, especially ever since that playoff game, uh Ever since then, you just sort of have this bad taste in your mouth when you face the Ravens. Um, So it's sort of interesting to note that, you know, they've played each other a bunch over the last few years. Of course, Peyton Manning had that big comeback game, seven touchdowns uh, to start off the season there uh, following up the playoff loss. And then we've seen it even in recent years where the Ravens had a chance to uh, come back against the Broncos in a game at mile high. And there's a big interception in the end zone. So... I do view this game as almost a sort of a rivalry game.
0: Yeah, and I know that that 2014 was – or 2013?
1: That was 2012.
0: 2012. That loss, I mean, I'm sure there are Broncos fans still getting over that, a really good team uh, that fell short.
1: That was probably Peyton Manning's best team here. They had reeled off a bunch of wins. Everybody's really excited about the playoffs and then just one play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was still in college at that time, but I remember watching the game, and I thought it was over, so I left and started walking back to my dorm, and I remember looking at my phone a few minutes later, and I was like, they're in overtime?
1: How did that happen? What? Yeah.
0: So uh, hopefully, hopefully the same sort of thing doesn't happen this weekend. But you talk about it being a rivalry. I think at the very least, this is a big game for both teams that – Probably, I mean, the Broncos want to win the AFC West, obviously. But if they can't do that, you want to be in the wild card hunt. And the Ravens are probably a team that's going to be right there with you. So not just picking up a win, but being able to pick up a head-to-head win that will matter later in the season, I don't think you can understate how important this game is.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that it's uh, there's anything wrong with, like, peeking over your shoulder and seeing, hey, the Chiefs have really started off hot. You know, you don't want to worry about, like, not the opponent you're facing. But you know, hey, the Chiefs have started really hot. They're coming to town after this Ravens game. So, you know, you got to take care of business here when you go on the road. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, we got to keep pace with the other good teams in the AFC.
0: Yeah, and I think you talked about not looking ahead. I think that's important. And I think this team, we've talked about their road struggles last year. This team knows that too, and so I think there's probably a sense of pride there that, hey, we didn't play up to our standard, up to the Denver Broncos standard on the road last year. Let's make sure that changes. Let's take care of business in the games that we're supposed to take care of business in, um, and then let's see where we end up in a few weeks.
1: The other interesting thing coming into this game, the Ravens have a little bit of extra rest. Of course, last week they played on a Thursday night in in Cincinnati, so they'll come in really well-rested and uh, maybe a little bit of extra time to game plan. Hey, how are they going to deal with Von Miller? How are they going to deal with some of these things? So I think when you play on the road, things just got to be a little bit more crisp, can't afford turnovers, those kind of things where you get the crowd really riled up. And if they play a little bit cleaner football, get off to a hot start, those are all keys to winning on the road in my mind.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing to watch out for, uh, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle is also a bit banged up. So... If they're playing a backup there, does Von Miller move around a little bit to kind of take advantage of that matchup? His sack on uh, Sunday came against Donald Penn, so he kind of stayed true to going against the right tackle, but maybe Denver finds a way to move him around uh, to just get a little bit of an advantage.
1: And I know some people are saying, hey, where's Bradley Chubb? He only has half a sack. Bradley Chubb's done a great job getting some quarterback pressures. I think he has the most quarterback pressures of any rookie, and he's also done a great job setting the edge and really helping out with that run game, too. So uh, Bradley Chubb has been doing just fine, and those two together, along with guys like Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, they should be able to, uh, if they can, get a lead and then really they can go after Flacco.
0: Right. And how do the how do the rookies handle this weekend? Because we've seen that um, our guy Patrick Smythe tweeted out today that the, the Broncos rookies have the most yards through the first two weeks since the ninety four Indianapolis Colts. So Marshall uh,
1: Falk on that team. Yeah.
0: So Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay again up for a player of the week nomination. Um, Royce Freeman all making big impacts but how do they handle their first real road trip if they can continue this same pace I think the Broncos are in a good position to get a win
1: you know the thing like I think Philip Lindsay Royce Freeman have been doing a great job Cortland Sutton I thank you so much expectation coming into this season he has had some big catches um, but as he continues to work on his route running and just the slight nuances of playing wide receiver he's only going to continue to get better and better so um I do think, though, there's a little bit different going on the road. They've gone on the road and played big-time college games, but just a little bit something different at this level going on the road, and they just got to be more on top of their stuff, and I think this will be a great first challenge for them.
0: Yeah, I mean something else for the Broncos receiving quarter to pay attention to. Uh, Jimmy Smith still suspended for the Ravens, I believe. A um, couple games left on his suspension, so maybe they're able to take care uh, take advantage of that through the year. A lot of things that could potentially favor the Broncos, but Phil, we gotta we gotta just see what happens.
1: What can we get a prediction? What do you think is oh gonna happen? Oh my gosh, I'm
0: not I'm not in the prediction game. You're not in here. that business? No, I, I do think that if the Broncos can play the way they've played the last two weeks, Broncos fans are going to be very happy waking up Monday morning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think they uh, they take care of business, clean some things up on uh, in the secondary, and I think that this uh, if they can handle the pressure of being on the road, they can get another W and improve to uh, three and O. Um, But, yeah, a few things to work on this week as they get set to face the Baltimore Ravens. But that'll do it for us this week on the Neutral Zone here. Our thanks to our guests Josie Jewell and Garrett Downing for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. Make sure that you subscribe, give us a rating, tell, tell me that you don't like my voice. Say that, that you like mine. You think it's stupid or you think are stupid. Uh, whatever you want to say, give us a rating and make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Eric Dalala at Phil Milani. And then you can stay up to the very latest with all things involving this podcast. But until then for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. Thank you for listening to the Neutral Zone.